Product Board Engineering Leadership Podcast. 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 Welcome once again, everybody, to the Product Board Engineering Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Sandberg. Uh, in addition to being a podcast host, I am also the Director of Engineering for the Scale Tribe here at Product Board. And I have yet another really exciting guest today, a uh, recent addition to the Product Board team, uh, Timmy, our engineering manager and our first engineering hire outside of Europe and specifically in Vancouver, Canada. Welcome, Timmy. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, this is exciting. Literally, this is my first podcast. I'm excited to be here and to talk through what you know you want to ask me about. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote this down somewhere in my notes that it's kind of interesting because you and I don't know each other that well, and I think that's very much related to, I think, what will be one of the key topics here, which is that you're starting an entirely new development center for our company uh, on the other side of an ocean and a very wide continent from where I spend my days working. And I think that's a really interesting engineering leadership challenge in general. So I, I want to talk a lot about um, sort of the exciting stuff that you'll be doing there because I want people to be able to hear about what product board engineering in Canada is going to look like. But at the same time, I also want to try to keep with the theme of if I was an engineering leader considering this challenge that you're taking on, how would I go about it? How would I even start? Um, so I think that's going to be kind of interesting because I'm going to be hearing this from you a lot for the first time as well. And it's because you've entered you know, our company on the other side of an ocean in a time where people aren't always allowed to travel where they want, when they want, talk to each other a lot and so on. So I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm like super passionate about this. I was super happy when I joined Product Board, uh, I think roughly three months ago, the opportunity presented itself in the sense that, hey, Timmy, we need a leader here to kind of wrap up two teams. And I was like, okay, you know, what does that mean? Like, oh, literally being the first engineering hire. I'm like, wow. Um, and that, at that point, it really excited me in the sense that like, hey, you know, I've been in this industry for, well, I, I feel old saying that now, but like, you know, not too old, but like, you know, 11 years and like, you know, I haven't had the chance to do that from like kind of mid-stage startup. So I was super excited for this opportunity. So I think that's a great place to start the podcast is here you are, you're excited about this challenge to start an entirely new development center in a country where we don't previously do engineering. What did you want to talk about first with, you know, with yourself? What did you want to think about first? Yeah, uh, I, I think it boils down to a few points. First, it's like building a strong team. And when I say strong team, it's not just like, you know, technically strong team, right? When it's like playing in a sports. I love basketball and like that's literally what I used to do every day before COVID hits. Uh, but like everyone has kind of different skills and they kind of offset each other. Same thing with a, the kind of a product or engineering team, uh, right? The technical skill can be there, but what we said, the profile and like how to get everyone together and offset each other, learn from each other and push each other to the next level. That was like what I define as a strong team. And that's definitely in, you know on top of the back of my mind. Um, and kind of like the next dimension to that is like, how do you adopt what's working really well for product board in terms of culture into my own kind of like, you know, the other side of the ocean in Vancouver, building a strong team where like we can together and also having that kind of DNA, but like not exactly DNA because we are 
in Vancouver, Canada, where you know the rest of the organization is in Czech. So like how we adapt, it's like the long distant cousin per se, right? It's like you know, um, it's from a different family, but we're one root family kind of thing. The, um, so that those were the two biggest worries I have to uh, you know starting this challenge. In the sense of like you know how how do I get there and because I don't want to build a team that's like you know completely isolated and like you know don't talk to anyone or like you know feels really off from the rest of the engineering organization. Um, so yeah, th those are like the two biggest things I kind of have in my mind when I start Product Board um, to kind of you know, go down this journey. Yeah, you kind of jumped half a question ahead for me, and you answered it because when you were talking about uh, basketball, first I wanted to highlight that I'm a huge basketball fan. And in fact, uh, we've had a previous guest on this podcast who I had literally never spoken to before. And it turned out he was a huge basketball fan. And we ended up doing a, a 15 minute riff about just NBA basketball as a bonus at the end of the podcast. But yeah, so we'll talk about that more later. But, um, you know, the part in the middle, I was thinking to myself, well, okay, you're talking about sort of in the sports metaphor, you're starting an expansion team. But what's different there is your job is to beat everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what I was going to ask you is, well, how do you do that? How do you try to ruthlessly do everything that you know is the best thing to do when outside of the metaphor joining product board, you need to fit in. Your job is not to beat the other development center or the existing development centers. It's to fit in, take the best of what you know, the best of what we already know, and help everything drive forward in a positive way. And you alluded to that. You, you kind of answered the question for me. But now what I think is really interesting, you and I haven't talked a lot what do you perceive about Product Board, the European Engineering Center? What do you think are its, you know, biggest strengths and weaknesses? Or maybe you don't want to say any weaknesses, <laughs> uh, but like obviously we're a you know totally open culture. And you know, what do you think is the best stuff you can take? What would you like to try to improve yourself? You know, what do you perceive the values as? Um, I'm I'm asking you genuinely because I want to know, but also I think it's an interesting exercise for anyone who's trying to take on a challenge like this in the future. What I've been working, like, so I, I have worked in Canada, I have worked in the States. Um, those are the two countries I kind of live in and work, but I also dealt with the kind of the EU. I, I remember when I was in Amazon, I kind of flew to London for a project, kind of worked with some folks there. I, I dealt with, you know, Indian teams, um, that's Asia, that's different, but I always live in US and Canada. And let me tell you, I work with all these companies that are literally from the North America. Product Board was one of the first ones that like, like not we have two head office. One is from San Francisco, one is from Prague, Czech Republic. But it really surprised me how different when we say that oh the culture is different in the company, but like this is the first time I really experienced that. So let me give you some example. Right. Um if in the US, it depends on the, the company, it gives you like from anywhere from five to eight stats holiday. When I say stats holiday, it's like you don't have to go to work, you get paid. When I moved to Canada, we're talking about like 12 stat holiday a year, right? That's like almost once every month, right? Literally, I think that's what the Canadian government wanted to do. And in Czech, I don't know exactly how many stat holiday is, but it, just the three months I've been in product board, it's just like, you know, people are willing to take vacation, like literally the, you know, the quote unquote work like balances there. Cause I, I don't see them feeling bad about taking vacation. They're like, you know, it's summer is great. Let's go out there. I'm involved in like Slack channels, which is great in the sense of like, hey, you know, I see what they're doing. And like, I really bought in kind of like a personal level. And I, I'm a firm believer of that kind of balance, right? 
But in U.S. and Canada, let me talk about the U.S. We don't have that in the U.S. Period. It was like almost. <laughs> it depends on the company you are. I think the, the whole industry is still evolving, but it's very climb the ladder. Literally, what you see on the TV, right? The startup life, right? Really gunning for that, and and that's the culture I'm talking about. In Canada, I'll take, you know, I'll throw some numbers. It's probably like you know thirty percent dial back, and then and when I. Kind of perceive from Czech, it's like a little more like twenty percent more dialed back in in kind of the EU and what what I experienced. I'm not necessarily saying that it's a bad thing, right? Because we, I firmly believe, you know, if someone is happy, they do the best work, right? And happiness goes a lot. It goes into another kind of section, right? I guess what I'm trying to say is. I'm having that challenge here. It's like where the North American counterparts we have. So you know, my team here is in Vancouver. My product manager counterparts in San Francisco, right? Like literally super fast pace. How do we balance that with the current existing team in Czech? Um, it's like equation that I have yet to solve, but I experience it, right? Like, hey, like, let's get into alignment and let's have really clear communication on expectation and, and agreement on both sides and how we take that forward. And I keep all this in mind while I'm trying to hire in Vancouver and build up this team. It's just like, hey, I don't think we can be that culture in EU per se. But we can learn from it, and how we can evolve here in Vancouver is a big open question. And I'm looking for like my team to help me answer some of this. What works for them, right? What works for us? Um, we're not going to be exactly the same because we are across the ocean. Uh, but it's all about like agile methodology, right? It's like Scrum, right? A lot of people do Scrum differently, right? They do weekly standup or daily standup. But like that whole methodology gives you kind of the framework where. A lot of different teams pick and choose. It's like, oh, they did this because we tackled this problem. It works for us because we have a big problem here in this space compared to that. We're like, right now in Vancouver, we're like pick and choosing the fights we want to fight and kind of the problems that we are slowly surfacing because we are establishing that base here in Vancouver. I know that's kind of like a really long answer to answer your short question, uh, but you know that that's like you know my first insight for now. Yeah, there's a lot in there, and I think um, there are a couple of things I wanted to focus on, maybe in turn. So I think to me, as I look at my experience at Product Board and comparing it to other companies, one thing that stands out, and I don't think it's uh, about a national culture or, or anything like that. It's our commitment to essentially just evaluating impact. So, you know, we, and that, that stretches across a lot of things, but in relation specifically to like how many holidays there are, how much people work, you know, our, our question that we look at each other and see is how can we all have an impact that we're happy about? And if in one place that means that we all have to stay up all night every day and we're okay with that, then that's fine. And I think that's probably not okay anywhere. But I think that's how you kind of cut through the noise of, you know, how are we going to handle that people work different hours or that people want to go faster or slower? And I think the lens that I like is for us to all agree on sort of the outcomes and impacts that we want to have and that we don't want anybody to be burned out, left behind, ground into the ground in the process. We do want to have that work-life balance. And once we have that alignment, I think we do have the autonomy per team, per function, per office to really define the way that it works for us and then have the right interfaces between places. But what I would like to say is I've heard that thing about measuring, you know, outcomes or impact, not ours. I've heard that a million times, but it doesn't matter what country I've worked in. I haven't seen it very much. 
Yep. I think it's truly alive here. I think we really do operate in the best spirit of that. And when we see ourselves not doing it, we correct. I mean, has that been your experience with us so far? Yeah, exactly. I think in the Vancouver office right now is just a unique situation where we're still hiring the team here in Vancouver, but some of the existing teammates for my particular teams is still in check. So we are balancing that with the kind of the cross time zone challenges. Uh, but it's exactly what you say. It's like, you know, how do we communicate that, you know, outcome, the impact per se is not this is measured by hours. And then we really value the cross um, team collaboration. So like naturally we like to talk to each other. Recently, we need to figure out like more efficient and smarter way to do it because literally we only have two to three hours a day. Uh, and as a team, how do we be smart about that? And also respect everyone's that kind of life uh, in the sense that like, I don't want them to stay after 6 or 7 p.m. But I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, right? So we are doing a lot of these kind of like calibration of like this cross teams uh, time zones until we are fully in Vancouver. Then I think that we can kind of like, you know, what you talk about, really be uh, autonomous and really try to solve that problem in Vancouver, in my team, and what works for us and then go from there. Yeah, so you said something that our listeners might not entirely be able to unpack, which I think is a good topic to focus on. You mentioned until we're fully in Vancouver, and I think this is a really interesting, one of the things we like to try to do is work through a handful of case studies of like, how do you actually solve a problem as an engineering leader? And so when you say when we're fully in Vancouver, um, what we're talking about is the fact that all of our engineering has always been in Prague and some of the work that's coming over to you is stuff that people in Prague have already been working on. And um, there's a bunch of different solutions to that, even ones that we had proposed at Product Board a year ago before our hiring freeze. So let's talk about a couple of them and then let's talk about what we're really doing and, and what you think about them for sort of like a manager who is trying to do this, pros and cons, right? So I think one option is you got a new development center. You only allow greenfield stuff to go there. So there's no dependencies. There's no uh, cross-cutting issues. That's one solution. We obviously don't have that situation here. Uh, a solution that we, I think, are sort of trying to do but are having issues with is that you send culture bearers, advanced teams from the original location for rotations to the new location to sort of seed the culture and the process, which I don't actually know what the latest up to date is for us, but this is something we wanted to do, but there may be visa and COVID issues, but it's a solution. It's a solution somebody could try. And then maybe another one is that you relocate people from the original location to the new one permanently. But as you're saying, where we want to get to is where Vancouver office has its own domains of ownership that it can work on completely independently, its own local people entirely. So if you're a person starting at the beginning of this and you're comparing these three approaches, what do you like and what do you think are the challenges along the way, like during the transition? Um, so yeah, I can give you my perspective of like, if I were presented this problem from scratch, like you say, like which one I would go down. Um, I would definitely go with two, um, the advanced team, look at already existing successful engineering team slash leaders slash strong individuals and help us kind of 
build an individual or another development center somewhere else. Uh, why? It's just that like what I kind of previously talked about is essentially those people live and breathe the culture per se, right? They know the context, both from the technical perspective and like how we run things, quote unquote, in the, in the company, right? And then those people will have be given additional opportunity to shine, right? Like, hey, you know, help build us the team. And when you say build the team, it's not just hiring, right? You know, setting be, to be a role model, right? Be an active coach slash mentor, uncover problems that we didn't think of while trying to discover a new kind of market slash development center. Um, so that will be my preferred approach. The other two is like not a bad options. I, I think the number one option was like, you know, you just go greenfield, bring everything new. Uh, the wrap up time might be a little longer. And in my opinion, it has like less opportunity to grow within the company, right? Because like this day and age, right? I'm all for like experience in different culture, how other people run things. So I want to give the opportunity for existing employees to be a part of it. So if we do like the greenfield approach where everything is new, right? Uh, you you kind of don't have that. So I'm going to call out here that um, basically evaluated some of the the pros and cons of the different approaches. And then full disclosure, um, I do like to call out because I think some people listen to this uh, podcast, they're curious about product board and how we do things and whether they might actually want to work here. So, you know, I'm going to call out that, um, you know, you think it's a good approach to have advanced engineers, seed engineers, um, seed people come and sort of help establish the culture from the other locations. And even bigger than that, if you erase sort of the pandemic from our history, um, this is something we used to do with our San Francisco office, even though there's no engineering there per se. There was something that we called the engineering rotation, and it was continuous. So there were always, uh, I think, something between two to four people from engineering in San Francisco at every time. And it was didn't matter which team you were in. It didn't matter which domain you worked on. You got on the list, and eventually it was your turn. And so I think we definitely think this is a core mechanism, not just when starting a new office, but as the offices continue to exist. And so if you're somebody out there who thinks um, working at Product Board Canada would be fun and that it would be cool to meet exciting and really awesome engineers from around the world, because we don't just have engineers from Prague. In Prague, we have engineers from all over Europe coming in. Um, collaborating with you on projects, giving you some of the secret sauce of our best practices, comparing notes. That's a big part of Timmy's plan for the right recipe for getting this done. And it's also a big part of the product board plan all the time, not just when Vancouver is new, but when Vancouver is six months old, when it's a year old, when it's two years old, it's a continuous mechanism at product board. And whether engineering goes on in that office or not, we want all functions, traveling, getting in touch. So I don't know if you knew that, Timmy, that we had the the San Francisco rotation in the past, but... Um, Full disclosure, I did not know this, and yeah. this is awesome to hear, right? This is exactly what I described, and I'm, I'm glad that I learned that from you. Realistically, maybe I should have known this, but like, I, I think this is definitely the right direction, right? Like school, university did this, like even way before tech had this kind of idea, right? It says, hey, you know, go to Japan or go to somewhere that's like, you know, the other part of the world, see how other people do things, right? And uh, I think it's a great strategy to keep us kind of learning and evolve as individuals, right? Yeah. And the great thing about product board is you don't have to quit your job to do it. <laughs> yeah, great. I, I need to, um, you know, sign up on that too. I, I would love to maybe one day go on something, but yeah. 
So um, I wanted to go back, rewind a little bit to another question about this thing where you're sort of starting up building your own development center. And obviously you have Michi that you work with here in Prague, but physically you're alone and there's so much on your plate. How the heck do you wake up every morning or every week and figure out what to do first? I think that's a good question for any engineering manager uh, to try to learn good strategies for, but maybe even with all the responsibilities that come with trying to start a new development center, your specific perspective on that. You know, when I wake up, right, I, I focus on hiring. And that is just like the number one quote-unquote objective we have right now because we have invested so much time and strategy um, into this new development center because we plan everything around it, right? Like, hey, you know, we have a very nice kind of roadmap or objectives in the next, you know, six months and a year. But like, we need smart people to get us there. I cannot solve all the problems myself. I need smart individuals to help me. It's like, hey, what am I missing? Second, third pair of eyes and like really building that core to really lay the foundation work of Vancouver office. So like, you know, the first few hires, I wouldn't say just the first few hires, but like the first two teams is so important to kind of address these issues off the bat or making that you know strong foundation so we can build a house on top of it kind of analogy so uh, that is what i think of like you know this is why we prioritize hiring we have as uh, existing team members here in vancouver but that's like focus on customer success and sales right nothing engineering uh and then you put COVID into play and then you put this whole tech industry i think everyone knows that right now like post-covid world we're quote unquote what we like to call super competitive, right? Which is good, right? For all of us. So it's like we really as candidates wants to pick a perfect fit. Like why should I join Parlor Board when I can like interview for all these different places? So like you know, really strategizing that and like, you know, getting people to know, hey, I personally feel Parlor Board is a great fit. Let me explain to you why. And that's that's why so much efforts and my time goes into hiring because that is so important. Uh, and then I think the second fold of that equation is really building a trust in product or internally. And what that means is like, hey, I have existing team, like Joshua mentioned, like the advanced team is in Prague. They're going to move to Vancouver to help me. But right now they're still actively in Prague. How do I earn trust in with my team? I need to learn what is working now and suggest um, kind of changes to it. But I don't. I believe someone can just come in like in a month and it's like, oh, change that, change that, change that. That's like, I feel like that's definitely the wrong approach. Uh, don't do that. Um, take it from me. So what I'm trying to say is like building that trust and learning what is working right now in product board. It takes the second half of my effort and my time to really make me pick my battles or to prioritize my time. So I know when I like the sprint ceremonies, when I start that in Vancouver, do I do the same thing? Do I challenge the status quo? Once I have that trust and kind of like, you know, with my team and learn their processes and stuff like that, then we can make pivots and change accordingly in the Vancouver office. So to really summarize, right? One is like hiring. The email we sent to the candidate, the interaction, what should I tell them, right? Really quote unquote setting the pitch down per se, uh, but getting the right message across, like getting the candidate the answers that they're looking for and like really give them a good candidate experience because that's what I went through in product board and really shaping that for engineers in Vancouver. And then second is ingrating myself in the product board life, uh, learning 
everything from people, process, culture, and how, how I can adapt that and change accordingly in this new center. Those are my two focus. Uh, and I prioritize my time with these two big objectives because without those two pieces, I don't foresee a successful quote-unquote transition into a new development center. Yeah, I noticed a couple of really interesting things in there. So one is um, I've never started a development center myself, and I've had a couple of very different roles in a very short time, being a manager of one team, being a manager of multiple teams, and now being a director of engineering. And I sort of saw like a magic formula in what you're doing that kind of matches what I do. And that's like encouraging, right? Because like all of us engineering managers, we're going to get thrown really different kind of tasks and responsibilities during our careers. And so as I was writing it down in my notes here, it's kind of like the inputs are prioritization, delegation, and hiring. And they're really actually genuinely linked for an engineering manager because prioritization, obviously, you got to know what's most important. And then since you can't do all of the most important stuff yourself, you have to delegate some of it. And then if you don't have enough people to delegate it to, or if you don't have the right people to delegate it to, then you have to hire. So those are your inputs. And then you can basically do whatever you want there. You can choose whatever order you want. And I think the thing you have to watch from the outside is your organization still successful enough to be trustworthy. And if that's going too far down, you got to change how you're doing it. And I guess there's no such thing as it going too far up. But um, So I thought that was kind of cool that having never done what you've done before what you're doing right now and having not been an engineering manager for that long, if we consider that I was a coder for much longer than that, um, I thought it was cool that I could kind of identify a simple magic formula that works for all of it. Obviously, the devil is in the details, but... Yeah, yeah exactly. A big plus one to that. Uh, and I, I guess I would just add one extra color that I recently, well, not recently, uh, but like kind of recently kind of really resonate with me. How do I make myself replaceable? not scaring about job security but really once you get through that hurdle like it that will unlock and help you think and prioritize internally right like hey you know i'll be on this team but we all know that one person cannot do all of it right like we want to kind of have that check and balance and kind of feedback loop etc etc so i keep asking myself this question how do you make myself replaceable an example setting up a hiring pipeline what does that mean right how can i pull in tech leads to come help me uh, in different stage of process uh, how do i give you know a certain part of features to engineers to own end to end where I, i'm just there as a partner to help if they need um but yeah i, I totally for it like, how do i make my replaceable hopefully product board don't fire me no i'm just kidding uh, they won't uh, i think it's just no we we have we have so much growth right now in the Vancouver space, uh, it's just a lot of opportunities and we're excited to kind of expand the team and take on more. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the overall strategy that you know I'm referring to. Yeah, the other thing I noticed, and I think this is uh, important for engineering managers in general, but I think it's something I love about Product Board. You were talking, you were really talking about things like making sure that the emails you send to candidates are good and things like that. And you know, one of the things I love about working here and I think that also another thing that makes good good professionals of any kind, but especially good managers, is we we don't we don't have a not my job mentality, right? So like, did you go to school for you know writing the best emails to candidates? No, neither did I. 
Did you see it on the webpage when you read the job description or the or the pitch for a job at, you know, 300 top engineering companies? No, you didn't. But when you got here, you knew that, you know, your personal values and the organization's personal values are being both efficient and caring about hiring and making a great experience for everyone, both us and the candidates still achieving our goals. And you noticed that the emails needed to be written better and you started thinking about it. And I I think it's really important for engineering managers in general, because a lot of the times we have to do some glue stuff that we're not expecting, but it makes everybody else's job easier. And that just like multiplies in value. But also, I just think that's a core value of the kind of people we want to have working at Product Board, that you want to have focus but you also don't want to be the kind of person who says, oh yeah, I can't see how that has anything to do with what I'm supposed to do. 1000%, right? And uh, like you said, all those small things that we value adds up that like we truly care about one another here and which is exactly what I felt during my interview process. So now as a leader here, like I want to make sure that it goes the same bar and and maybe even go above that bar right raising the bar uh like some of the small things um, i like to call out it's like you know when i was looking for new opportunities i hate the fact that like if i apply to somewhere they reply me six seven months afterwards hey oh sorry we went with another candidate how is that an acceptable experience right so over here like if it's not a right fit we'll tell you right away get that closure Maybe it's like, you know, a thing that, you know, I learned from my younger friends that like, oh, you just go someone, you just don't reply them. I'm like, I don't think that is an acceptable behavior on kind of like a business level or even a personal level, right? Just tell me, hey, we don't get along. Great. Like, let me move on. Uh, that closure goes a long way. So th- those are the small stuff that like we really evaluate um, in product board and myself and to make sure that we give everyone that closure we care about each candidate if it doesn't work out hey it doesn't mean we can't be friends and i i don't mean just like hey let's network i I truly believe that let's stay connected we are building a new development center and we're not just here for like six months right we're playing the long shot right knowing how everyone's involved like we can just talk about technical things uh stay in touch um and put that community, right? The community aspect of that. So yeah, plus one to everything you say. What is growth engineering? What's it going to be like at Product Board? Is it kind of a totally different world than regular engineering? It doesn't require some special management techniques or ways of thinking. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I, I think that's a hard question to answer, but I would start peeling one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, so growth engineering is one thing, but I'll shine some light on what growth tribe means here in product board. I think that will give context to everyone that's listening. So growth tribe, what does that mean? Uh, it essentially, it's like a new methodology in the SaaS world, right? Especially with B2B companies. When I say B2B, it's business to business and uh, essentially meant product-led growth, right? Can you give me like one sentence, like what does product-led growth mean? Help users realize the value of the product and become champions of it. And then you really kind of, to get deep down, it's like land and expand model, right? Hey, you if you land them and help them realize, hey, this is great. It solves all these problems for me. I'm going to become an internal champion and tell 10, 20, 30 people and you grow, right? And you expand. That is essentially the mission statement for growth tribe here at Product Board. 
help users realize the value of product board and become champions of product excellence, right? Because we are defined this new category of you know product excellent, right? In the SaaS world, uh, in product development, right? I think you know tech companies have been doing growth engineering, but hasn't explicitly called it growth engineering until the recent years. To be honest, I've been in tech for like the you know last decade. These words have started to surface in the recent years, uh, but. To answer the question directly, um, I think the core is very similar. Hey, when we talk about engineering, I think we can spend a whole podcast on what a good engineer is, right? The, the fundamentals, thinking about how moving fast, what is the technical debt, the vision, all that. But growth is just, I feel like a layer on top of it. I will categorize as like a mindset shift in the traditional world where you explain it's like hey you know we have a business problem how do we solve it now where we like mvp like how do we continue doing to evolve that kind of the agile process right the iteration but i think growth is like the steroids of that in the sense that we don't know the business opportunity or customer problem or we are trying to do some testing to find out what the problem is so we can double down or triple down or go all in on some aspect of that product journey of any kind of product. Um, so in here in growth, like here in product board, as an example, that's why it spans across the whole product in our application. It's really helping us define what works and doesn't. And that layer on top of it is like rapid experimentation but it doesn't stop there, right? You, you figure something work, how do we, as an engineer, like how do we evolve that from like the MVP of version two, version three, and it's never ending. And it's so like how we pick our fights and how we structure our technical architecture to support that um, is a big question that we are answering uh, as of this quarter and next quarter. It's like, you know, making that kind of touch on what Joshua said as an experimental platform. How do we unlock all the tribes to do it? And not just from a technical aspect, but the, from the processes aspect, from the domain ownership prospect, what can they test? If your scale tribe wants to test something here, how does it impact other tribes? And like really thinking about the problem, how each tribe can work together and but at the same time be autonomous so they can move fast on their own. Um, that's definitely something that on the growth team, what we're thinking about um, to solve that problem for the whole organization. But of course, with you know, help with different teams and kind of shape up that process and processes. Uh, so you talked a little bit about the uncertainty and the experimentation. So again, I'm trying to dig in on, on how much this is the same or, or different than what I think of as sort of, you know, managing agile product development or engineering. So, you know, when I think about my product team trying to build features or product teams trying to build features in uh it doesn't matter the specifics, but dual track agile where we're we're learning and we're building at the same time. So, you know, one of our mottos I think often is we don't build something until we've learned enough. Because you never want to be building something that um you don't know, you know, well enough is going to deliver value. And it sounds like the model is slightly different when you're doing growth engineering, but maybe I'm reading that wrong. So tell me more about that. No, I, I think you're reading it not entirely wrong. Um, I think this is what I kind of pick up from my previous company. Um, and the analogy I like to use is like the shotgun approach, right? Hey, if you have a really good long distance sniper rifle where you, you can aim on one target really 
crisply, right? It's essentially what you're talking about. Like, hey, I need all the data. If this works out, if it hits a mark, it will kind of stick for sure. And the shotgun approach, I like to say, it bursts in a different direction. And there's like eight to 10 different small pellets to see uh, if it hits the target. Uh, it might be not as damaging, but it will stick. Right, we'll find out the radius. It will it'll catch on and kind of like it'll stick. So that is what I see. Kind of growth is we do a lot, a bunch of these different approaches. Of course, we have a focus, right? We have a big target. But when we shoot our shots, the mindset here is like we know some will not stick, but we want to know it when it doesn't stick. When I say like A/B testing, it doesn't plan out. The learning goes into a, a long way, and it says like, hey, why didn't this work? We kind of new or like expected what's a hypothesis right like and in, in evaluate and then then we can keep finding shotguns approach and keep learning in the way then we'll find something that's worth keep evolving and then it will be double down or triple down or like you know go all in and that's when we find that kind of money right or like the, something that works um so that's what we're doing we have a focus uh, i don't want to talk too much about exactly what we're doing here uh at growth right now but that is like kind of the overall strategy that you know i'm thinking of like how do we experiment fast and iterate on it or stop something so we can quote unquote not waste our time and take that learning and apply it to the next test if a product engineer is somebody who's used to using the sniper rifle, and if a growth engineer is somebody who's used to using the shotgun, as an engineering manager, do you find it is very difficult to maybe take somebody and help them to shift between one mentality and the other? Maybe if they're changing uh, their career path, shifting between teams, is that a hard thing to do? Or is it just like any other growth task for a, a person and their manager to work on together? I, I think right in the middle. I, I think it's definitely possible, but it's definitely not easy in the sense that it depends on the personal preference on the engineering as well. If you want to look at, if someone has to like, they want to have a niche or a domain ownership of just one particular path, right? Um, well, the growth is very hard because it tend to be that our growth ownerships domains are very broad in the sense that like these all the overall strategy how do we get the someone to stick in product board for example that spent across the whole app right like what does that mean so it, it depends on the individual of the engineer to see if they're willing to kind of experiment and have that mindset shift uh, from my experience so far it's depends on the individual really uh, i think the engineer manager leader has a big part to it to kind of help them coach and mentor them to have the shift to that mind shift but it's definitely possible right um actually before b2b and SaaS, my background was e-commerce right uh, i was in, in zappos.com and, and also amazon but I, I think growth there is you can leverage some of the same learnings but in the sense that like a a b test a bunch to see how to get people to buy more but here is A-B test a bunch to see where we can get people to stay, right? So I think the principles same apply from product engineering to growth engineering. Uh, it's just that like it depends where you want to pick your battles and like, you know, become an expert in per se. I mean, on the side of being customer centric and kind of trying to look at things from a customer perspective, you really helped connect the dots for me here, even just in what you've shared. Because remember, I told you as a customer centric engineer, my thinking was always, okay, there's this customer and they have this thing that they want to do. 
and I just need to build them the screens and the solution so that they can do it. And you really connected the dots for me because like my customer maybe doesn't even know the problems that they need to solve or how well I can solve them, or I may not know the best ways to solve them. And I have like a stage before that that's handled by you that it's still part of that journey, but you're doing it by sort of having a lot of different customers look at a lot of different things and finding out what works and then passing it on to the imaginary me in the past who already feels like, okay, we all know what the solution is here. Let's go do it, right? <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. I think that's very well put. You mentioned a, a minute ago a few things about working at Zappos in the past. So give us a, a look into you know some of your recent experience that, that came before joining Product Board and how it got you to this thing that you're doing today. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, I'll kind of give a very high level kind of my background. Um, my elevator pitch is like I've been to like a, all these different size of companies. And over my journey, I discover it doesn't matter the size of the company. They all have interesting, similar problems, but unique problem as well. But like overall, it's kind of the same theme. And I work at Zappos.com and early in my career, that was like around three to 500 employees. Uh, I went to Amazon, which is like a huge company, a hundred thousand plus. Um, I went to Topo Software, which is like two to 3000 employees, kind of like a medium size. And then I went to a small startup, like 20 people, pre-seed stage, uh, kind of like build everything from ground. Um, how, how I ended up here is like literally, I'm done like, you know, going for the company size. Like for me, like when I was discovering in my early days, I was like, oh, the company size matters, right? When I went on Amazon to Tableau, I was looking for something more lean where I can make more impact. Like, you know, hey, if tomorrow I want a Ruby and Rails app that does test something, I can go right away. Uh, but through my journey, I found out that it's like a super hard thing to do in the sense that like that company might be smaller in size, but it's actually not easier to get something off the ground and run with it. Um, so when I was looking for new opportunities, like I really want to help take this knowledge of what I've been through, all these different size of companies, all these different processes, different work culture, different collaboration method, and really define my own, right? Like in a sense, like, hey, I'm confident like I can take the goods of all my experience and really make something that matter and like build something on great on top of it. And I was lucky enough to find a product port match. It's essentially, hey, you know, we are thinking about this new development center in Vancouver. Here's the two teams. You're in charge of kind of running it and like from the ground up, seeing the culture and like really expand on it. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, like it, this is exactly what I was looking for. And on top of that, I was reading the core values of the uh, company, a product board, and during the interview process, I just felt so aligned in the sense of like my personal value matches what you know product board as a whole was thinking. And so I was confident in that point. It's like, okay, I can do this, right? Um, I have built teams from like, you know, zero to nine people before in Vancouver and then the small startup. Uh, I have managed some hiring stuff in Amazon and was a leader there, but like I haven't been able to kind of scale from one team to two teams to multiple teams. And exactly that's what I'm looking for and to gonna enjoy that ride uh, in the sense that I also learn from it, right? Um, and really leveraging my experience in different sides of company and processes and make it my own. And just, you know, uh, it's another challenge that I'm up to and I feel like uh, I will really enjoy doing it and 
And I don't think I'm wrong because like this past three months, like it feels like a year already, which is good. Like I, I like what I'm doing. I love kind of the product or culture. You know, they, they weren't lying to me in the interview process. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm sticking it through and that's how I kind of started my product board journey. One of the things I've really uh, loved about you, you know, in our few conversations and, you know, I've seen you on some, you know, bigger meetings and stuff like that is your energy level and your positive energy level. Um, and I'm curious, how do you keep that up through all these companies of different sizes and ups and downs and the days that every engineering manager has where at the end of the day, you look in the mirror and you say, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I think it's possible I might just be making everything worse because all of us have those days. But um, you really seem like a person who somehow knows how to keep it positive and keep it at high energy through anything. So where does that come from? How do you maintain that through everything? Oh, man, this is like a, such a deep question. Um, no, I think it's just who I am. I firmly believe like, I guess this gets a little personal. When I was younger, I was a beast. Four years of my life, I was in the kind of like a depression kind of state of mind. So like, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, like during high school and all, I was active. I would I play a lot of basketball. But then when I actually moved to a new city in Las Vegas, Nevada, specifically, I kind of lost that. And like, I, I didn't know myself anymore. And I gained like 60 pounds. And literally, I just woke up one day and just look in the mirror. It's like, this is not who I am. Like at that point of my life, I literally didn't do anything didn't socialize with anyone. And it was at the point of my life is I was lost. And where I point to was like, I start working out. Like I love to play basketball. Uh, I think what hit me to that was not looking in the mirror. It was like, you know, someone told me to go play basketball again. And I went and I could barely get through the half court. And I was like, crap, what happened to me? And so that was my motivation, right? Let's get back into shape so I can enjoy what I used to do. But I didn't realize through that journey, I gained so much confidence. I realized that I love to talk to people. I realized that like, you know, I found the true me per se. And I think at that point, that's when like, you know, my personality start to kind of shape and it, it lined up really well with my career in the sense that like, I start talking to people more. I start to know what's bothering them and kind of helping to be a partner and coach. So I guess how, what keeps me positive is like, I know, there is worse days, but if you have a positive outlook to it, it will get to better days, right? There's no point falling upon a bad situation. It's, it's just like, hey, no, let's put a plan together. I did that when I was you know, losing 60 pounds. Like I literally went to the gym every day. I just put a plan in place. Um, the, my secret though, work out before I go to work. <laughs> I literally get my <laughs> blood pumping. Uh, right now I'm in this kind of unique situation. I have early meetings, but that gives me no excuse, right? I know what I'd like to do. I know what keeps me going is if I have 7 a.m. meetings, I go to the gym at 6 a.m., right? Hey, and then my wife uh, knows how important it is for me to really focus on like just you know, go run, go lift some weights, go play some basketball, anything that go for a bike ride. And that gets my mind to be clear 
um, that gets my blood floating. So when I have this podcast or any other meetings, I'm just my myself, right? And if I go on long vacation and I don't exercise, it feels so off. So I think that is my go-to. I don't want to turn this into a kind of like an exercise podcast, but like that personally, that works for me, and that's how I decompress. I control my stress level per se and keep my life sane. And it's just um, the positivity is just me. Like I'm a people pleaser. Like when people laugh and smile next to me, like I get the joy. Um, I like to unblock people. I like to I just like to learn and work with people. So when this COVID hit, it actually hit me very heavily, and I need to kind of look at other avenues to kind of pick me up per se. But I guess. The short answer to this long answer is like I know what keeps me going, and I keep doing it because it keeps me going. I think what's really resonant for me is, and I, even just some conversations I've been having in my job these this last couple of weeks, it's there's ups and downs for every person. But you talked about that moment of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, "I don't recognize myself. This isn't me. I'm not doing any of the stuff that I know I can do." And I think these moments have to be more frequent and more intense for leaders. Because when you're just you, when you look at that picture, it's just you. I mean, obviously people have families and stuff, but I think what's really resonant for me is I think those moments can look a lot worse and a lot lower for leaders. Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, as we all do sometimes and say, this isn't working, or I'm not living up to what I want to be, or I don't know how I'm going to move forward, you're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the whole team and the whole company and the whole whatever else that's resting on your shoulders. And it seems like so much more. And so I think this is actually like a really important moment. I mean, for all humans, but for leaders specifically. And I think unlike a regular person who sometimes sees this moment themselves as a manager, I have other leaders who are coming to me with these moments and these are some of the most scary and most rewarding moments that I experience as a leader when another leader or manager comes to me and they see themselves at that point. Because the first thing I think is whatever I say, if it's not the most positive thing in the universe, it's just going to feel like another stone on that pile of stuff that's weighing on their shoulders. So um, yeah, this, I, I wasn't going for this angle, but um I think there's some real good leadership perspective in there as well, because I think these are some of the hardest moments for leaders to deal with because they see that that slowdown or that lack of faith or whatever it is that they have with themselves, it affects so many other people and so much else is riding on it. But I don't think the solutions are any different. The solution is simply, that's not my problem right now. My problem right now is just reminding myself who I really am and what I'm really good at and how I can leverage that to start chipping away at this, at this mountain of problems. Cause you never, you never solve a mountain of problems in, you know, one meeting or, or one minute, um, in the same way that you didn't lose 60 pounds or, or whatever was the number you said in, in a day. Right. So it was actually pretty resonant for me as a, as a leadership mentality. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess another, um, point I would add to add is to having your own support system, outside of your work that goes such a long way right like leaders um also have friends right back to leadership and just build the general relationship with everyone that i cross path with like literally that is what i firmly believe and it's not like i scratch your back you scratch mine it's just like you know if it clicks and you guys you get along i have built such great friends throughout my different 
companies that I still talk to today. So I will echo that support system. And then they're on a different path. They will give you that unique perspective. And the trusted support system is like goes a long way. And I think that's also part of it. Like, hey, they will call me out. It's like, yeah, you're just complaining too much. It's okay, though. You can vent to me. But what are you going to do about it? Right, that's one part. And then like, you know, the other stuff that they would say is like, okay, you know, that seems like a good challenge, you know, like, what are you going to do about it? And really being your sounding board uh, and having that, I have some director friends, I have just some single manager friends, I have some IC, really good leadership. They're like, uh, he was like an architect uh, for one of the bigger companies, right? Like, so all different kind of perspective and really shape me who I am and like have this kind of keep me going. <laughs> Yeah. And like just a really concrete reflection on that is to never get sort of uh, envious or, or lose confidence when someone in your system has a better answer for your problem than you do. Right. Because exactly. um, that stuff all pays itself back and, and helps each other grow. And there's something you're going to be able to do better than them as well. So I think that's one of the interesting things in relationships when you're dealing with, you know, leaders and other leaders if you don't have a lot of practice, you can go to your leader friend and say, oh, I have this really difficult problem. What would you do? And they'd be like, oh, that's simple. You just do this. And the first reaction is kind of like, well, yeah, that actually is really simple, but I'm not going to do it because like, I'm so angry at this person <laughs> like that they yeah. know how to do it better than I do. Um, and I think that's a hurdle to kind of get over when you're building up that, um, that kind of support system. I mean, you started talking about friends, but also whether it's internal or external to work, not being jealous of gifts that get handed into your hands, but really just accepting them. Exactly. And and there's one of the lines you say, uh, gift, right? It resonates. What Zappos taught me is take any feedback as a gift. If that individual don't care about you, they would just go away, right? Why wouldn't they tell you how to improve, right? So any feedback you receive should act as a gift. And I was thinking about this. That is true. Treat feedback as a gift. Uh, and that goes a long way. Once you've put that positive spin to that feedback, and then you individually, you will just keep growing. And none of this ego stuff, right? It's, oh, but yeah. As a newcomer to Product Board, what's one thing that stands out? Just exactly one short thing that stands out about the way we think about leadership or management that you're super impressed with and that you maybe never encountered before or didn't really believe was possible? I would say in my case, ownership. I was surprised. Um, I was hired as an EM uh, to lead this development effort here. I was very empowered to do whatever I feel and able to back up what is the right play for this development center. They will give me high level guidelines, like uh, high level missions and let me run with it. I was very surprised at uh, the amount of ownership they would you know, give me and trust me. And I bet that inspires you to pass that on to managers or engineers or anybody who will work for you, yeah? Exactly, and that's the model it works for me. Like, I, I can count on them to support me in the sense that, hey, you know, I have these couple options, this is my proposal, what do you think? They will be there for me and quote unquote give the sign off or like give me some feedback. Uh, but yeah, exactly what you said, right? So if I can have that system here in Vancouver, quote unquote, that will make my life easier, right? That will make the company expand. Uh, it's also win 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 situation. So that's definitely something I will 
take forward uh, and, and learning and apply it here. As having been here for a pretty short time, what's one thing about the way, you know, we do management or leadership here that you're just sort of surprised? You're like, why haven't they figured out how to do this, or how do they not know about this? And like you, Timmy, really know how to do that thing well, and you're excited to to show us the right way. I must say, from planning perspective and allocating the re- enough time for to do something is a really short answer planning and more details specifically to my development center as maybe there was some misalignment but essentially when i'm here there's so much work to be done uh, to kind of set up this development center and there is not enough allocated resources to do so uh, that would be my one kind of thing uh, i know how to do it really well because it's like but like I need to kind of get there, right? An example, you know, we have a people ops team here in product board that helps with the recruiting, coordinating, but we were so focused in other parts that I feel like that we miss planning to hire a new person to focus and to support me to ramp up this you know, new Vancouver development team. So a lot of those kind of fell on my shoulders, but you know, we're making great tractions right now, but looking back, it's like, you know, if I were to know that I'm going to create a new development center, I will put all these kind of pieces in place. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I can agree with this. It's, I think one of the, it's the blessing and the curse of being at a company that's rocketing through headcount size 40 right up to, you know, which is about what it was when I joined right up to 300 or 400 or whatever we're going to be a year from now. Um, your way of planning just doesn't scale and you kind of yeah. have to keep reinventing it every quarter. And the the blessing is that means that you have so many chances to tune it and get it right. And that things are going so well that you have to face those pains. And the curse is that until you sort of get good at tuning it on the fly and always being early enough that things don't get crazy, but late enough that you're not optimizing for you know some situation that's already passed, you know, you, you can have some there. And I'm glad that you think you you know how to help us because, um, you know, we're, as you say, we're definitely making strides every quarter. But I think this is a very special thing. And the more people we have who have experienced it um, and can provide a little stability in those kinds of processes. And, and we've seen that happening on the product side as well. We've hired some really awesome, more senior product leadership that sort of gets how to do these things under these conditions and are kind of stabilizing our planning, you know, with with the product inputs and stuff like that. So, the the point is not to uh, to point fingers and criticize. The point is uh, to get excited about how the the pain points you're facing are actually a showcase of what your opportunity is. Um, exactly. exactly. And you can totally see that with this case. Hundred percent. Any last thoughts about what you really wish people would know about you or or product board engineering in Canada? as they're listening to this podcast. I don't want to give like a sales pitch, but honestly, I'm like super excited for this opportunity. Uh, and I'm a little biased, but in a sense, there's so much growth potential here in Vancouver. Uh, when I think about it, I was so lucky to have this kind of experience. And I was kind of just echo that uh, in the sense that like, hey, you will work on with me, uh, not for me, because I don't like to say that in the sense that, okay, when, when I treat my team is partnership, right? Uh, that goes a long way and kind of how to bring the team um, together. 
I'm always down to talk. Even if you don't want to work with product board, um, I'm here in Vancouver. Uh, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always you know, up for a conversation. Um, anything you want to talk about fitness, tech, Vancouver. We have very interesting Pacific Canada problem here. Uh, so yeah, it's just you know really down to know you or anyone um, just to talk. It's kind of just like me extending my hand. If you're an engineer, you want to switch to an EM or engineering manager, or you want to continue the individual contributor, if you want an external kind of perspective, you know, let me know. Uh, we can we can talk. Uh, really, just that's it. Like I'm, I love to meet new people, new culture, eat new food. Uh, so yeah, anything goes. You know, as I always tell everybody from the first uh, contact that I had with Product Board, the first um, people ops person I talked to, the differentiating factor about this company to me is the amazing people and the ability that we have to continue restocking with those kinds of people and knowing that when they see them, bringing people like you on board, getting to know people like you. It just so happens that as a bonus, um, we have an incredible business opportunity and a great product. But for me, uh, that's probably not what our investors think. But to me, that's actually even point, <laughs> point 0.1a. Uh, point one for me, what really impresses me about this company, what excites me about it is um, sort of the incredible people and how we make that a priority. I, I've never seen us say, well, you know, we're getting to size 200 or we're getting to investment round such and such. And we really can't be so careful about what interesting and good human beings we hire and, and you know, what sort of um, profile of how fun it is to work with all them. I've never seen us even hint at, at you know, thinking that way. And, um, you know, that extends to you too. I mean, just in a whole new location and starting to get to know you even through this podcast, um, I'm really excited about your future and future product board and, and engineering Canada. So thanks for the time today. And I look forward to talking to you more, um, also not in public like this, but. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is a blast. I, I feel like, you know, uh, you did a really good job helping me kind of atone this kind of settings and you know thank you it, it was so fun so ciao thanks to uh, all of our listeners for checking in with another episode of the product board engineering leadership podcast and we're excited to talk to you again soon